All right, theme song in three, two, one. And welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is the premier podcast for the website, cpluscomedy.com. It's a website. Go there. Just clearing out all of my notifications uh, for the past 30 minutes. Oh, uh, uh, I just got done doing an interview with uh, an actress that you will see in a TV show. <laughs> I don't know why I paused <laughs> Um, the show, the show is called, I'll get into this, uh, after the break. Uh, but the show is called, maybe I just, maybe I'm slowly dying. And that was my response <laughs> to be slowly dying. De Brutus Nada. It's a Spanish language show, uh, set in Mexico city, shot in Colombia is what I found out. And, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a rom-com drum, mostly calm, mostly rom. It's a rom-com, and it stars <laughs> a bunch of gr- uh, funny Spanish-language actors, Spanish-speaking actors, and uh, uh, yeah, we'll get into that after the break. So let's get into whatever this show is right now. Let's hop in, because we got a lot to talk about. Welcome to Constitutionals, episode 175. <laughs> I think that's what it is, and you know what? I'm not going to check. This first story comes from Variety. Uh, where it was written by Michael Schneider. Sorry, I was reading this side, and I saw that Sega's developing a Yakuza uh, uh, live-action adaptation based on the video game. Anyway, uh, Emmy's, you know, but little, <laughs> little known fact about the, the video game series Yakuza, it, is, it was only released in Japan on, like, the PS2 uh, and or the PS3, one of those consoles. And then it slowly started trickling over here to America. And it's not a little known fact. <laughs> this, is, this is, if you play video games, you know this. And so it, it slowly started with like Yakuza 3, I think. Like starting with Yakuza 3 or 1 and then 2 and 3 and then obviously uh, 4 and 5 followed. But then they have prequels like Yakuza 0, Yakuza Kwame and Yakuza Kwame 2. And and uh, and, that, and then like they have a spinoff uh, series. And it's Yakuza is an RPG series. Uh, fighting game, fighting open world game, and it's a, it's about you know you're just in the Yakuza world in Japan, and there's many games, and like that's the draw. There's a huge sprawling story, many games, and there's and you have like multiple fighting stances, and you know it's it's really cool. Uh, and so I thought you know for years I thought oh I'm gonna love these games, I'm gonna love them, and uh, you you know with Xbox Live and PlayStation Network you get some free games sometimes and I got I got a couple of these games for free and uh, turns out I don't like them <laughs> I spent all this time thinking I'd like these games I don't like them I don't like the way they control it's all jittery and janky uh, a lot of the games are not dubbed and so you have to read the subtitles and the kind there's a lot of cutscenes so it's not a problem uh, but it's just the controlling is not what I thought it was going to be anyway they're fine games I'm just not that interested all right so let's move on. Written by Michael Schneider, uh, on Variety, Emmys behind the scenes, Jimmy Kimmel, co-head writer Molly McNary, also his wife, on what went right and what went wrong. So the Emmys happened, they were at home, everybody, uh, you know, I, it was, I think it was a good, I think it was a good Emmys, lowest rated Emmys of all time thus far, uh, thought it was good, 
you know, considering and they handled everything well enough. Uh, if you like the Emmys, then, you know, you like that. And I can't, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine someone just, you know, every year watching and hating it. Um, so there was uh, things like there was a bit where where Jimmy made it seem like they were hosting the Emmys live with famous people there. Obviously, it was fake. And if you're stupid enough to believe that it was real, then, you know, come on. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Jennifer Aniston, there was a fire bit and uh, Jennifer Aniston uh, had trouble putting out a fire. They had this is true. This is this is a really true thing that I really love. They had people. And hazmat suits. All night all night long, they had commercials of the new Kia Optima or whatever and, and how fast it was. And they were telling you, hey, we at every single one of these people's homes and locations, we're going to deliver the Emmys live. And, you know, by the t- by like the third time they said that, like at first I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then the second time I, I thought that can't be true. Third time I said, no, that's impossible. Uh, and then... Rami, when he lost, Rami Youssef, when he lost, a uh, spoiler alert, for, uh, for his show, uh, he tweeted out something like the next day that said, when you lose an Emmy. And it was a person in a hazmat suit holding an Emmy and just like waving and then like and leaving, walking off away from Rami's house. And so apparently what they really did send people to all, all around, you know, the world uh, to to deliver these Emmys like live and in person. Uh, and what they did was, and you'll find out in this piece if you ever read it, they, you didn't know if you had the winning Emmy until like a minute before it was announced. So everybody was like at the ready, and then they go, okay, go to Kerry uh, Washington's door and knock, and knock on the door. And then uh, like, hey, you won the Emmy, and then knock, 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 and then you know somebody would deliver the Emmy. That's very cool. That was very interesting. I think that's a very good idea, especially for what happened. Uh, for what was going on. Uh, a lot of pre-tapes and all that stuff. Jimmy was worried about uh, uh, messing up, just like he did at the Oscars, <laughs> just like he did. Uh, like a, a, a thing happening where there was uh, where La La Land won Best Picture, but Moonlight really won. All that stuff. There's very good behind-the-scenes tidbits from Jimmy's wife. And she... And, it, and, it was, and obviously, since Jimmy hosted, it, it was his staff from uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live that did that took on the duties of producing the show and writing it and stuff like that. So I think they did a, a very good job for for what it's worth. And uh, I enjoyed my time watching the Emmys. It was uh, that and a basketball game on at the same time, uh, flipping back and forth and everything. I think it was, I think it was a good job. So I don't want to harp too long on that because the Emmys already happened. <laughs> and this show is a late week show. Next up, Microsoft uh, to acquire ZeniMax Media and its game publisher, Bethesda Softworks. So in short, my, uh, Microsoft spent $7.5 billion in cash to purchase Bethesda Softworks, which, which produces games like Doom, Fallout, Quake, Wolfenstein, Dishonored, and the Elder Scrolls series. Uh, this means that games from this point forward, published under those banners, uh, excuse me, published under the Bethesda Softworks banner, are technically owned by Microsoft. Now, this isn't the first time that Microsoft has uh, purchased a company. Uh, oh, and so, so these, obviously, it's not the first time they've purchased a company. Uh, but they've been, if, if you pay attention to video games, they've been buying up uh, partners left and right so that they can ensure that this next generation of Xboxes will have, Xbox I, will have more 
first party games as opposed to this current generation, which has not had that many. And so that means games that are published under Bethesda Softworks name from now on will be Microsoft branded. And obviously uh, they've bought other companies that have done that before. Like they bought Mojang, which makes Minecraft. They've bought probably, I don't know, one or two others, but uh, I think this is a very good acquisition. Uh, Bethesda is a, is a, a publisher that takes a long time on its games, but their games are beloved. Even, you know, Doom, that Doom remake when it came out a couple of years ago, uh, Doom 2, I assume what is the second one is called, <laughs> the new Quake that's coming out, um, Wolfenstein series resurgence, like these games have, are just, they left, you know, Doom and Wolfenstein in particular left the, the zeitgeist and now they're back after uh, phenomenal games and uh, it really shows, they, they really do good work. And uh, which means Elder Scrolls Six will probably it's going to be coming, you know, in the on the next generation in you know over five years, assume assumingly, assumingly, in over five years. But it'll be hopefully better supported because they now they have this funding and this support from Microsoft. Parent coming to Microsoft, so it's very good. Uh, I'm and there's other there's game periodicals that could talk more about this in a better way. Next up, this comes from Variety. Quibi may be from for sale. Written by Todd Spangler, Jeffrey Katzenberg's Quiggy 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 Quibi is looking <laughs> to sell itself among other possible options. Quiggy, you guys want to try out Quiggy? Quiggy is a mobile a streaming platform service. And you can only watch it on your Apple Watch or your Garmin smartwatches. And uh, the video is as as small as your screen is. So the smaller your watch, the worse it is. <laughs> and we only have three shows. Uh, uh, one show is just old trailers of Alfred Hitchcock movies. The other show is uh, is a talking head political chat show. And the third show is reruns of 30 Rock. <laughs> uh, third, no, not 30 Rock. Third Rock from the Sun, because that's everywhere. <laughs> okay. All right, we're done with that bit. Quibi, the mobile streaming subscription TV startup founded by Jeffrey Katzenberg, is exploring strategic options, including a potential sale. This comes from the Wall Street Journal, as reported earlier by. Now, Quibi launched... And it raised $1.75 billion from major studios and other investors. And it quickly tanked. <laughs> In about three months, I think more than, let's say, 90% of the, 90% of the, of the users dropped off. Uh, because nobody wants to pay $5 to watch, to, to look at their, video, their phones and, and do that. And flip and flip it up and down and stuff. And I urge you to watch the video if you're not watching the video. <laughs> because I just did a whole a whole routine with my hands. <laughs> this is so stupid. Quibi did not confirm the report to the journal or they did not deny it as well. They obviously are going to do their best. They're not going to say anything until this is, this is, they're not going to comment on this speculation, but you know, they had Quibi, uh, had outside of what's your, what's it called? Shit's Creek. Outside of Shit's Creek and uh, Pop TV, which you know canceled one uh, not one day at a time, excuse me, 
outside of Shit's Creek. Well, they canceled a bunch of other shows outside of Shit's Creek and Pop TV. Quibi probably had the the NHBO. Quibi probably had the best Emmys because it won Emmys for hashtag Free Ray Sean. Uh, it was nominated by like for a ton of short form uh, things at the Creative Emmys, uh, short form categories. Uh, and you know its lifespan. It's been talked about prior to launching, uh, prior to the pandemic. It was it was talked about you know by everybody and. Uh, it, it had investors included Disney, NBC Universal, Sony Pictures Entertainment, Vi- uh, Viacom, which is now Viacom CBS, uh, Warner Media, Lionsgate, MGM, ITV, and Entertainment One, which is now part of Hasbro. This, I mean, it's got and and then it got money from Alibaba Group. Uh, Katzenberg gave it money. Like this thing was destined to live. And you know, Soderbergh, Kevin Hart, Issa Rae, uh, Anna Kendrick, Tegan. Idris Elba, uh, Sam Raimi, Spielberg, you know, everybody was re- was throwing themselves at this to make shows or to make uh, uh, or to invest money into it. And then it launches. It, it does OK for a little bit. And then after the three month free period, it drops uh, user base drops because people I I. A people aren't moving, moving around, and it was meant to. It's quick bites. You're meant to watch five to seven minute episodes, and while you're commuting on the train or something. But but B people don't just don't want to pay for something that you could at that point only use on your phone. You, yeah, now you can watch it on, you know, you can AirPlay it to your TV or Chromecast, but it just or, or cast it to your Chromecast. But it just it it just missed the mark so many times on so many things. And, you know, it's updating constantly, you know, you get episodes every day or every week or so like that, but it, it just doesn't make sense now. Um, if they do sell, I would love, love, love to see them sell to somebody like YouTube, which is a division of Google, which is a division of Alphabet too. I would love to see them sell to YouTube to somebody who can, who knows mobile video. And I've, I've said it before, Quibi is like a rich person's YouTube. It's, it's where you can see, you know, YouTube, yeah, I like you like Good Mythical Morning, and you like Marquez Brownlee, and you like uh, I Justine, but they, you know, personality can only take you so far, and they're so insular, but when you get to Issa Rae, when you get to Spielberg, when you get to Anna Kendrick, when you have like real shows or real narrative, which yes, you can have on YouTube, but when you can have like the money and the the look and everything, ah, oh, that's a dream. So I think Quibi should and imagine imagine YouTube buying that. Uh, and I know they've already YouTube has gotten out of originals that aren't uh, reality based, but imagine YouTube like having that, having those shows, and having all of these these people. On the on the world's largest video platform, uh, but YouTube's not going to do it because they sold they just sold off all their shows or canceled all their shows that aren't reality based. So Cobra Kai is on Netflix and people are watching it like it's like it's the first time it came out. No, it came out three years ago at this point. So, uh, and I know everybody didn't have YouTube Premium like I do, <laughs> but when you subscribe to Google Play Music, you're you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna watch. <laughs> And, uh, and yeah, so, you know, who could buy it? Team up with Vimeo. Team up with somebody who has a better distribution outlook outlook than you do. At that point, it was probably YouTube. Um, 
Amazon. Sell to Amazon. So you can watch stuff on Twitch. I don't know. I don't know how they get past this. Listen, we're going to take a break. And in the break, you're going to see something very special. So uh, enjoy what's coming to you, baby. (laughs) And we're back to the show. Welcome back. You ever have that feeling where you're shooting an episode of the Constitutionals and you get up, you look at the camera, and the camera's battery is almost dead? Very lucky that that did not die on me. Uh, listen, what you just watched was a commercial, a trailer for a TV show called De Natas Brutus. Sorry, De Brutus Nata. Nada. De Brutus Nada. De Brutus Nada. Uh, it's a new Spanish language uh, TV show that is. Uh, it's reminiscent of shows like The Bold Type and uh, uh, Friends and just basically any sitcom, rom-com you like out there. Uh, a, a very a very fun, feel-good time, which I hate to describe things as, especially during you know what we are doing right now. But it is a show uh, that I just interviewed the star of, Tessa Issa. Ia, excuse me. Tessa Ia. She's a very uh, bright and fun person to talk to. Uh, she she and I discussed, and you'll see this interview at a later date, um, which I have yet to <laughs> to know about myself. I forgot to uh, write down where when when the show comes out. Um, but I the show was purchased by Sony, uh, so so you'll eventually see it uh, somewhere on familiar um, uh, platforms. So. De Brutas Nada. Enjoy. It's a it's a it's a very attractive looking show full of just great, gorgeous people. Not one ugly person in the bunch. Which I mean, ugh. and it's and it's a very funny show too. Um uh yeah. There you go. <laughs> watch the show. And uh and go watch that trailer again. You know. Give them give them some love. This next one comes from the New York Times. Journalists are leaving the noisy internet for your email inbox. This comes from Mark Tracy. Now, this is very important. This is a this is a story I saw not even three hours ago. And uh, the reason the Constitutionals used to used to be early on, you know, a hundred, a hundred and seventy episodes ago, uh, it was me trying to find the voice for this for this show. And I don't know, and I truly didn't know what the show was going to be. Um, and I just thought, you know what, got to have some type of weekly podcast come out, uh, before I did, although I did try to record, uh, two, no, I did two other podcasts before this and I had, and for a little bit I was doing a daily podcast. Uh, so I, it's called the application so I can get a job at, uh, WABE in Atlanta, did not get the job. <laughs> they strung me along until the very last interview. I did like three or four different interviews with them. And uh, anyway, it still hurts. It still hurts. Not joking. So we, <laughs> so uh, eventually the, st- the, the show became me reading news stories and uh, talking about them. Um, of course, only in their entertainment business news world. Um, and uh, I like the entertainment business. Maybe I'm not meant to be a television writer the way I want to be. Maybe I'm supposed to be a business lawyer. I don't want to go back to school. I don't want to learn anything. That'd be a good show, though. You're a business lawyer. 
I <laughs> gotta write that. I gotta stop talking out loud. You're oh, you're a business lawyer, and uh, every episode you have a different client. There it is. Whatever. We all we all extrapolated what I meant from that. So every so I talk about stories, uh, but one thing that I've kept going with the with the, even with the shifting tides in the stories has been that I always talk about. I try to talk about the writer. Like ninety nine percent of the time, I talk about the writer, uh, and I mention the writer's name. And, uh, and, and, and things like that. And I joke around, I go, oh, Todd Spangler, my good friend, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know any other writers, <laughs> but I always go like, oh, Leslie Goldberg, my good friend. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I say that because, you know, when you get to read the trades like Variety, Hollywood Reporter, The Wrap and Deadline, uh, when you read, you know, The Verge and Gadget, uh, even IGN, he says with a heavy sigh, uh, Vox, NPR, The Atlantic. When you get when you get to read New York Times, when you get to read these people and and learn their voices, um, you know, even if they can't be, even if they aren't supposed to be editorial about it, uh, you get to learn, you know, who they are and everything. But the but a bad a bad thing that comes from them working for these periodicals and these big companies and uh, you even you even saw it this summer when uh, uh, Bon Appetit and Architectural Digest and Epicurious and all of those shut down be, uh, for you know the past couple of months because Conde Nast is you know fostering a toxic work environment which is another thing I hate saying but uh, a, a work environment that's not good for women for people of color a or women b. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's uh yeah it's you know you just, if you don't know the story there just go google uh adam rapaport and you'll see that he he was in brownface ruined and he and he lost his job right rightfully so and and he's just and he and the top brass at Condé Nast have always been horribly racist and they lost a lot of good editors over at Bon Appetit um because there's Conan S is a bad company and Anna Wintour has not done anything. Uh, that being said, anybody offers me anything for more money than I'm making right now, I will do it, but I will voice my opinion. So there are other platforms uh, like YouTube, like Twitch. Um, why did I say Twitch? Like YouTube, like Patreon, where these reporters can go to, to make money that isn't going to, and when they can speak their minds and their voices and do all the writing they want to do, uh, without having that editorial oversight from a corporate nature, uh, from a corporate standpoint, or from anyone anyone else that will uh, siphon their views or filter their views or, and, and things along that line. Um, so there's a, there's a company called Substack, which has been around for a couple of years, and uh, while it's free, while you can use it for free. Uh, writers that are have been established can invite their readers to subscribe to their newsletter. That's what Substack is. It's a newsletter company, and they can charge you no money. They can charge you five dollars a month, and you get these newsletters daily, weekly, monthly, whatever. And you know you're and you can write about whatever. And so uh, this article, this piece from the Times, talks about Casey Newton, how he left The Verge, um, uh, which is a thing I like to read and and how he basically secured his uh his his new lifestyle his his new editorial lifestyle by uh, by writing on Substack and having his dedicated readers 
you know, also who can also still read The Verge, but also see this guy's views over on Substack, which is phenomenal, which is a good thing. Uh, and just like Patreon, you know, it, the the company Substack takes a small portion. So they take, you know, 10 percent. And, you know, if you have a thousand people and a, a per month and they're paying five dollars per month, you know, you can make a living uh, even less than that. You can make a living depending on where you live. Um, so it's great. And so you see people. Uh, and, and, and what the, the piece, what the piece goes over is uh, newspapers are losing jobs left or cutting jobs left and right, even in the newsroom on, on uh, in, in television on for the, on the digital front. There have been thousands, you know, thousands upon thousands of jobs that have been cut and lost over the past year even. So uh, this is a great way for those people uh, who have a following to 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 earn the money? Um, however, just like Patreon, you are at the uh, expense. This is the only word I can come up with. You're at the expense of what your audience, you know, wants. If you say the wrong thing, they can pull their funding at any time. You know what I'm saying? Like if. Uh, the on the Doughboys Patreon, which is a food podcast, food review podcast, it's so stupid, fast food review podcast. Excuse me, you pay five dollars a month, you get uh, an extra episode of the show every month, um, or excuse me, every week you get an extra episode of the show every week, and so it's more time with those guys. But if those guys, you know, they're obviously their comedy is not for everybody because not every comic comic comedic thing is for everybody. So. If they say the wrong thing, then someone can get mad and then go, oh, well, I'm never going to subscribe to the Doughboys again. And they can they can pull their five dollars or however much they're paying for the Patreon. Um, and that's why I, I <laughs> it's why I don't like Patreon yet. And, you know, it's it's really interesting because like sometimes I'll see I'll subscribe. I subscribe to like a couple of people who have like, you know, 10,000, just 10,000 uh, subscribers on YouTube and they'll have a Patreon set up. And, you know, a couple of them, they are making a, like a decent living, you know, like a couple hundred bucks a month, um, which is, you know, any money, any amount of money is good, especially right now. But then there are others who are making like zero dollars and their Patreon has been up for like three years. And then there are there are million subscribed, you know, YouTube YouTubers that have uh, Patreons that aren't doing well. And there's some that are doing well. So it's it's really up in the air. It's, it's all fluctuating. I uh, did not think I would spend this much time on, on this part, um, but Substack is is a good way for for these people who want to write and what want to write what they want to make money. It, although keep in mind, it's not for everybody. There's a thing called Discourse Blog, which uh, it's a left wing newsletter. Eight people are involved writing it. And they found it hard to attract readers through internet search. So they left Substack and uh, went on to something else and, and started and started uh, doing their own thing. Uh, and then obviously, I mean, which I didn't know, but obviously now when as you're reading it, there are competitors. Just like anything, there's a competitor to everything. And so and these competitors, again, have been around for a long time. There's an open source thing called Ghost. Uh, there's Tiny Letter, there's Lead, which combines WordPress, the design agency Alley, and the payment service Pico. And you know, I click through, I click through every single one of these. Uh, Substack, it's while it's it works and it's functional, it just looks 
too minimal. Uh, but then I looked at lead and it looks great LEDE and it just looks like this. It looks like something you could, you know, use comfortably. Um, there is one woman. Her name is last name Peterson. Jesus. Okay. See, this is, this is why I should take, I should start taking notes and Helen Peterson and Helen Peterson. She was at Buzzfeed news and she went over, over, she went over war to a sub stack and uh, she wanted to focus on a thing called, she calls culture study, which I guess she is like whatever she did at Buzzfeed. But I guess she, anyway, I don't know what this is. I don't read Buzzfeed. I'm not stupid. She, 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 uh, it's a, she uses culture study and that's not a tag on anybody who watches, you read Buzzfeed. Buzzfeed. They've done a lot of good for uh, journalism. Uh, that's not, and that's not sarcasm. <laughs> they, uh, she wanted to write, she does, so for culture studies, she writes, you know, longer features and things like that. But she brought over so many readers, so many subscribers, uh, that I don't think this was a result of it. I don't know. I don't know how the deal went down, but she has roughly 23,000 subscribers, more than 2,000 paid. So that, so 2,000 people are paying. So let's say base, it says more than 2,000, but base 2,000, $5 a month, and then uh, that's, you know, five times two, 10. That's $10,000 a month. Anyway, but instead of uh, Substack, giving Substack a 10% cut, she accepted upfront money along with an agreement to take 15% of subscription revenue for one year. So... $10,000 a month times 12 is 12,000. Uh, they don't take that uh, 10%. So let's say they offered her 150,000 up. For, I don't know. I'm not doing this math. I'm not even, it's probably, this is probably not even how it happened, but they offer her, you know, 150 K up front. And then she also gets 15% of the subscription revenues. That's an insane deal. That's great. That's wonderful. And she gets to do what she lo- loves most. Uh, and then also if you're, you know, if you're worried, if you're thinking, well, what about insurance? They're bringing over, uh, Substack is working on getting insurance. Uh, what about, you know, editors? If you write a lot, you know, they're working on bringing internal editors over it. Like that's Substack's really, uh, doing its best to, to, to help out the writer. Um, I, this is going to be like, uh, it's been around for three years and they have the funding, but it's going to be interesting to see where this goes to see, cause you see people leave, publications all the time and it it is a dying medium uh, the online even like newspaper and even online is just it's just suffering because they there's just no uh financial backing um and and it's so hard and everything is you know all the good journalism is 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 hiding behind a paywall uh so yeah but uh, i want to i want to see how this pans out and I want to see how the competition pans out and uh, just support, support people, support, you know, whether it's directly, which I am against, you know, giving someone money directly. But if I have to, then I, I'll do it because I'm sick of subscriptions. But uh, if you can read, don't just read a headline, read a story, read a story, share it, talk about your favorite writers and and just and and go on from there. Listen, I talked a lot, <laughs> so we're gonna take another break. <laughs> and when we come back, we'll finish up this stupid show. We'll see you soon. And we're back to the show. 
I had enough time to put one hand over on the phone to time the stupid segment, but I didn't have enough time <laughs> to put one headphone in. <laughs> Jesus, Chad. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Paramount Network shifting its strategy. I wanted to talk about Ellen's apology. Um, and I, what I wanted to do was to <laughs> watch this video. You'll just see me swing the microphone for the first time. Let's see. I've had this microphone for, you know, a hundred, let's say like two years now. And, uh, and I've had it on the stand and I'm usually pretty good at, you know, at swiveling and like not even noticing that I'm swiveling it because that's how good of a broadcaster I am. That's how good of a, a TV personality I am. <laughs> and, uh, and it swiveled and it hit my chin and, uh, I didn't know what to do for a split second. I was, I felt attacked. Anyway, I wanted to, uh, watch Ellen's apology. I want, cause I, I, I recorded the show and I wanted to see her apology, um, over what happened this summer because, uh, apparently she's a terrible person. Apparently she's allegedly a terrible, a terrible person. Um, but I, I think that's a, even though the apology has been widely criticized and called, uh, what Jennifer Moss over at the rap, uh, quoted, was quoted other current and former staffers as uh, tone deaf. Um, I do think that me watching the video uh, and pausing it every, you know, so often and commenting and analyzing what she's saying would be rude. Um, and I think that's uh, important for me to say out loud instead of holding it in and going, I don't want to do this story. Uh, I just, I don't think it would. I, I mean, you know, even if she was, uh, you know, a horrible person to people, uh, or, you know, a, 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 a unkind person. Cause she's the be kind lady. If she's an unkind person to people. Um, and, and even if she, uh, f even if the producers around her fostered a horrible working environment, um, I don't think that me <laughs> or anybody or anybody, really anybody going, uh, you know, every time she's, she told a, a a bad joke during this apology. Um, it would be helping the situation. So, my hope is that the and this is a, apparently you know working working there. Apparently, I think I read in this piece from uh, Ms. Moss over here on the wrap. Uh, the work environment is you know slightly different, and she's a little bit more involved in the meetings and stuff, but. Uh, this is just the first week, so we'll see what happens. Maybe it's a maybe the microphone. I hit my almost at myself again. Maybe the microphone's just a little too loose. <laughs> anyway, check out this piece um, and and watch the apology video and see if and see it's it's just it's six and a half minutes. See if you agree that this is a is tone deaf um, and and doesn't really fit. Like she like. I get she's a personality, and I and I I'll, I'll do one criticism. I, I get that she's a personality, uh, a, and, a, and a comedic personality at that. But the start of this season, I know it's eighteen years, and you know you're this is supposed to be a daytime show, and you're supposed to have have fun and all that stuff. Uh, but after all of, all of this, I would have come back, and God forbid I host a show and and things like this happen. But uh, I it would have been smarter to come back. Uh, maybe do a couple of jokes up front, but then, you know, just address it and say, Hey, listen, I understand 
I were wrong, I'm sorry, and things like that. Uh, it shouldn't have been entertaining to watch is the problem. And, uh, and, you know, while I didn't feel anything and while, you know, <laughs> I really don't have opinion one way or the other on who Ellen is as a person, uh, it's, it's better, it'd be better for the workers who are, who work there now and were former workers to hear the big boss address it and go, Hey man, we effed up. And I really am sorry about that. And I will do my best to fix it. Uh, and then have, you know, and then reach out to, to people who spoke and everything. And you know, you're powerful. You can see if, who it was. All right. This comes from variety. This is the last thing written by Joe Otterson, Paramount network rebrands doubles down on movies and minis exclusive. All right, so Viacom CBS is known for uh, its networks are niche, I would say. So BET is Black Entertainment. C- CMT is Country Music Television. Uh, Comedy Central is Comedy. Um, and though there are things going on in the background, like Comedy Central getting rid of all of its live action programming and focusing only on adult animation, uh, you know, MTV reviving old shows <laughs> from from way like in the early 2000s uh the there's there's still largely the niche networks so for viacom uh cbs for paramount net from paramount new movie network we got news letter letter last week we got letter last week we got news last week that cbs all access is becoming paramount plus uh which is very imaginative um but uh paramount the network which used to be uh, spike TV. Now it's going to be, it's really going to use that paramount moniker. So, uh, with the shows that came out when paramount started, uh, Waco and Yellowstone, it, they became these prestige esque television shows and limited series. And, uh, that, that really performed well, performed really well for the network. And, uh, Viacom sees that, and I guess that's how that's what they did for Comedy Central. They saw that and they said, let's hone in on that. You know, South Park, uh, we air South Park all day, every day, and it gets solid ratings throughout. Let's move Beavis and Butthead and the Daria spinoff all the way over to Comedy Central. Let's do it, baby. Uh, TV land, no more originals. We'll cancel younger. <laughs> and uh, yeah, interesting. So... Uh, Paramount Network is going to be uh, Paramount Movie Network, and they're and it's going to happen within the next year. They're going to do 52 original movies per year on the network, or basically one movie a week. That is essentially hallmark levels of of producing a, a movie. Like that's crazy. Each movie will have a budget in the low to mid seven figure range, of course, obviously. Once per quarter, the network expects to program a mini series or scripted series on the scale of the hits drama Yellowstone, potentially spinning off characters from those projects into their own films or sequels in the future. Uh, Chris McCarthy, who is the head of uh, president of entertainment and youth brands for Viacom, CBS, Domestic Media Networks, he's the one. He's the reason why there are only cartoons on Comedy Central now, and all those Comedy Central shows are either shipped off to HBO Max or canceled. Uh, th- this is uh, part of his brainchild. Um, let's see. I see John Mulaney in here for some reason. Okay, so there's going to be half hours and 
Oh, okay. No, no. Excuse me. Excuse me. I'm sorry. There's just going to be adult animation on Comedy Central and stuff. All right. So uh, as part of the programming shift, Paramount Movie Network will move out of unscripted programming. So the shows that are reality shows that are popular, like Ink Master. Uh, oh, Ink Master's canceled. Why Swap's canceled and Battle of the Fittest Couples canceled. But Lip Sync Battle and Bar Rescue are going to be moved on different networks. Boy, I feel I feel like Lip Sync Battle can live anywhere else, but Bar Rescue, I think that's such a, a perfect thing for Paramount because uh, it was on Spike. <laughs> uh, I don't know where Bar Rescue could live. Um, not VH1, not MTV, maybe CMT, and that's it. I think CMT also had the Dude Perfect show, and I think and then that moved over to Nickelodeon, and it also had one more show, Nashville. It also had one more show that I can't remember. Um, Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders. <laughs> and that's all the things I've watched on, on uh, <laughs> CMT. Uh, okay. The network scripted series Yellowstone will continue as part of the new strategy, having been renewed for a fourth season. Oh my God, fourth season? <laughs> I thought this show was on its second season. It feels like this show just started. Uh, however, the plan is to present the show as a cinematic experience, possibly programming two episodes in a single night with limited commercial interruptions. And I, I think they have the room to play around with this. And it's interesting. Uh, with 50, oh wow, oh my God. Viacom CBS had previously indicated its plan, it planned to program around 100 original movies a year across its portfolio with 52 on Paramount. Uh, 20 to 30 on MTV and 20 to 30 on Comedy Central. I wonder if that's still a go. You know, like reading that, that makes me wonder why cancel the live action shows on Comedy Central uh, if you're going to have, you know, 20 to 30 low budget, presumably comedy films um, made by the very people who would star in those shows. You know, like I, I could see Drew Tarver, um, I was gonna say John early and then I would just be naming, uh, uh, white gay actors, <laughs> comedic actors. Um, I, <laughs> I can see Drew Tarver, Aquafina, uh, you know, people along those lines making a cool, you know, 70 to 80 minute movie, uh, for comedy central will probably, you know, if it's going to be an hour and a half, it'll be a 65 minute movie with commercials, uh, with commercials, it'll be 90 minutes. They'll, they'll spread that out. Um, but I can definitely see them making a movie for the network and it just being, you know, something like a high, like a high budget YouTube movie, essentially, uh, the mo- the show Robbie that, um, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name and I can see his face. Oh God, this is embarrassing. Robbie Comedy Central. Uh, this is embarrassing. I feel so bad for not even remembering his name right. Rory Scoble. The show Robbie, which was like the last half hour show that Comedy Central produced and they just threw it on YouTube. Uh, I could I could have seen that being something, you know, kind of in the movie format that they produced something like uh, now, now that I'm reading this. <sighs> presumed 20 to 30 extra movies on Comedy Central per year. Someone to talk their horn. Uh, there, you know, this is a, this is a very strange shift for for Viacom. Um, you know, intentionally making all of those movies for these networks. You know, just even fifty two for Paramount is quite truly insane. 
And it just makes me think, where are you? Like, that's not a good way to spend money. Like, this is the same company that would go dark on DirecTV or uh, Dish Network because they're not getting enough money you know, to have their networks on there or they'll, or they'll, they'll charge YouTube TV a substantial fee, which means that YouTube TV throws the fee back on the, the viewer and we have to pay an extra $15 per month just to, just because we get uh comedy central and MTV on YouTube TV. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it's a cool thing. Cause you know, cause Netflix one year did uh, a comedy special a week, every Tuesday, uh, and I think they're still they're still kind of they were on that roll for like at least a year and a half to maybe two years, um, but where is it like where does it go from there? Like you producing a bunch of crappy scripts doesn't equate to views. Um, so it would have I, w- I would like to have I would like to see twenty movies <laughs> instead of fifty two, uh, twenty movies you know modest budgets. Um, you know, just higher than the seven figures you're going to give. And, and yeah, just put, put that kind of love and, and care into it. Um, and you know, Chris McCarthy, if you're watching, I got like three movie scripts ready to go. That's not a joke. I'm ready. I'm ready. Like all ready to shoot hard R's, all of them, but <laughs> ready to shoot. Listen, if you like what you heard here, head to the website, cpluscomedy.com where there's uh, interviews with your favorite comedians and, and comedy-based people and other entertainment people like Tessa Ia. Next week I have, uh, on Monday, interviews with the cast of War with Grandpa, The War with Grandpa, starring Robert De Niro, Uma Thurman, Rob Riggle, Christopher Walken, uh, Cheech Marin, Jane Seymour, uh, and... Two other people whose names I forgot. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Uh, but definitely check out those interviews. Uh, I talked to mostly everybody except for De Niro and Thurman. And uh, cute little movie, you know? It reminded me of, wow, God, what's it called? Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Uh, lots of great gags, mostly because it's it was handled by uh, a couple of the uh, SpongeBob guys, the guy, people who've worked in cartoons, rather. People have worked in cartoons, so it's really gag heavy. Um, check it out. Check out the interviews. That's not a review of the movie. I'm not allowed to say anything about the movie, I don't think, until Monday. <laughs> so that's not a review. Just saying it's got gags. Uh, so, you know, check out the interviews coming out Monday. Hopefully I yeah, – yeah, I have all the videos. So, yeah, it'll be out Monday. Uh, and then I'll be talking to the director, Tim Hill, who is a SpongeBob guy. Um next week and you'll see that interview probably the day after I do it so definitely check it out Tessa Ia's interview is coming up soon as well I have the video for that and the audio <laughs> if you want to see a video version of this show as well as though if you want to see the interviews you can head on over to youtube.com slash comedy where you can see uh, our flagship show news time which is like the daily show except way less funny I take one story and I extrapolate it to the fullest this week's it's a weekly show. This week's episode is about uh, these 2020 summer box office and how the pandemic affected it. 70% drop, analysts suggest, and it's and the rest of the box office as well. So definitely check it out. Uh, good episode. I've been on a tear with these episodes lately, so I'm 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 bound for a failure at some point. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> so definitely check it out. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. 
head, uh, uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at C plus comedy. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Chad Black White. Like us on Facebook, rate, review, subscribe to the show, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Now on Amazon Music as well, baby. That's right. We got the fifth tier. Uh, one of the first podcasts on there. I'm not, that's not a joke. One of the first podcasts on Amazon Music. So they emailed me. And I said, yes, let's do it. I don't know why you're emailing me, so let's do it. Uh, Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Goodbye. This is the outro right here. Nope, did not press the button. Here it goes. (laughs) Bye. Bye.